letters three and four of the outcast by william winwood reed this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine letter three so ellen you have been into bluebeard's chamber you have read the manuscript and these ravings of a lunatic have made you doubt the existence of a personal god you suspect that i doubt it too my dear you are wrong i disbelieve it there is no doubt in my mind about the matter o daughter of eve an apple from the tree of knowledge was hidden in a drawer then came the serpent curiosity and now having eaten you are banished from the eden of belief you wish me to tell you the whole truth or what i believe to be the truth well it can do you no harm in the present condition of your mind and may do you good though as to that i am not very sanguine but i will not merely expound my religious opinions i will describe their birth and growth in my mind i will tell you the story of my life ah the story of my life apart from all matters of religion it will deeply too deeply interest you i fear my darling it will give you much pain yet it is right that you should hear it and you will be inclined more than ever i believe to pity and succour the unfortunate when you learn in what misery your childhood was passed you tell me that sometimes when you approach anything that is dead a strange and horrible scene rises like a picture to your mind you see a bare and squalid room the walls blackened with dirt the broken window-panes stuffed with rags on the floor a woman with long yellow hair beside her a man on his knees dressed in a ragged black coat behind him some men and women of coarse and evil countenance yet grave and sad whispering together you shall now learn what was this scene which your memory has faithfully though fitfully retained you shall learn how your father was an outcast reduced to the extremity of sorrow to the brink of despair how his misfortunes resembled but exceeded those of the unhappy elliot and how narrowly he escaped a similar fate letter four in the last century an east india nabob named mordaunt returned to england with an immense fortune said to have been obtained in no very creditable manner from the treasury of a rajah in bengal at whose court he was resident my father his only son inherited several landed estates and a large sum of money in the funds he was sent to eton and christchurch at which latter place of education he chiefly distinguished himself as an athlete he also rode hard across country was a noted skittle player and had gained much academic fame by successfully bruising with bargees but all this came to an end before he left the university for he went to hear a noted field preacher intending to create a disturbance and was converted on the spot he gave up his old habits and companions read hard for his degree went into orders and took the living of harborne in the moors which was in his own presentation such is the account of his youth which i received from the excellent bishop of t who was his contemporary there was nothing in my father's appearance to show that he had ever been inclined to dissipation or even to innocent pleasure his features were inexpressibly severe his eyes were cold and hard and overhung with thick bushy eyebrows his lips were thin and closely compressed his strength was great as i when a boy knew to my cost and even his hands had a stern aspect being broad and powerful 
the spaces between the knuckles covered with long black hairs he did not send me to school but taught me greek latin mathematics and divinity himself and seldom i believe has any apprentice been more harshly treated by his master however i ought to remind you that i was born in a flogging cudgelling age and that humanity to schoolboys is a virtue of recent growth moreover my father was not indulgent to himself and no paid tutor however conscientious would have toiled as he did with me his day's work was almost incredible he rose at daybreak and read hebrew and theology till breakfast if it was winter he laid and lighted his own fire the forenoon and afternoon he devoted to me except at two intervals which i spent in amusement he in attending to the duties of his parish he allowed me to pass the evenings with my mother while he corrected my exercises and studied the lessons of the next day in homer aristotle virgil or tacitus comparing the various readings and referring to the german commentators and critics as if he were preparing an exhaustive treatise on the subject his religion was of the lowest calvinistic type but at least it was sincere he allowed himself no pleasures of any kind and though less strict with my mother and myself we lived in a very frugal manner after his death i was informed by the family lawyer that he spent immense sums in anonymous donations for religious and charitable purposes my mother died in the belief that he was a miser and had never done a benevolent action in his life he thought it right to conceal from her this giving of alms and perhaps also he loved her more than he allowed her to suppose but he did not make her very happy ah what would have been my life without her how often she caught me in her arms as i fled from the chamber of torture and kissed my bruised and bleeding hands how often she soothed my wounded spirit with words of the tenderest love and persuaded me to endure with patience the trials of my childish life i did not then know that she suffered more than myself she was ardent and romantic fond of intellectual society and not indifferent to admiration possessed of remarkable beauty and many elegant accomplishments but harborne was a lone and sequestered village in the moors and my father objected to social pleasures so we received no visitors she had a heart which pined for affection and he was a man of stone she once told me that my birth had saved her from absolute despair thenceforth she had something to live for something to love often as she pressed me to her bosom she would gaze into my face with a timid searching craving look and when with some cold words i tried to shake myself free her deep dark eyes would fill with tears so it was also in your case dear ellen and so no doubt you have found it with your little girl children cannot love us as we love them and when they become old enough to return our affection they leave us to marry or to make their way in the world happily it is good for us to love as it is good for us to labour even when the reward is slight and inadequate my mother was a sad invalid being afflicted with a pulmonary complaint which required constant attendance the parish doctor saw her nearly every day and received a fixed fee or salary per annum herbert chalmers whose name is yet remembered in science was a student of promise and repute who had taken the cure of bodies in the parish of harborne partly for the sake of daily bread and partly to study that particular phase of the profession he had not been there more than a year when his friends obtained him a lucrative appointment he thanked them and declined it 
saying he was not ambitious and preferred living in the country now as the duties of a parish doctor combine in themselves all that is most unpleasant in the life of an apothecary's apprentice and the chequered existence of a postboy namely the rolling and pinching of innumerable pills and long night rides in the hardest of weather his friends thought him out of his wits but they could not change his resolution some time afterwards a relation died and left him a fortune he built a mansion with a laboratory hot-houses and rooms suitable for collections and experiments engaged a medical assistant and devoted his time to scientific researches on the physiology and chemistry of the vegetable kingdom but he still remained the doctor of the parish and attended all difficult cases himself he reversed the usual order of things for when he left a poor patient he slipped a guinea into his hand that was the good doctor's idea of being humorous his skill and unremitting care certainly prolonged my dear mother's life though it could not save her from death at the early age of forty-three i had always been told from my boyhood that i was to be a clergyman my father and mother both wished it and i had no desire for any other profession my college life was quite uneventful i joined no set indulged in none of the popular amusements such as boating or cricket and living for the most part in my rooms made neither friends nor enemies i took a first class in great go and the bishop of t who ordained me wrote a most kind letter to congratulate my father on the good examination i had passed in divinity i preached my first sermon in harborne church and though no one was there but our tenants and servants my parents and the doctor i did not dare raise my eyes from the book and felt myself blushing two or three times as i read out some eloquent passages which i had composed in a state of exaltation but which now seemed rather too fine for the occasion however my mother was delighted with this maiden composition and felt very proud that i was ordained on sundays dr chalmers always dined with us in the middle of the day and that same afternoon we were strolling together in the garden my mother the doctor and i when she said well doctor you have not quite wasted your life in this dismal place for you have made me live long enough to enjoy one day of perfect happiness he made some reply which i do not remember and then she said but tell me dear doctor i do not understand why do you stay here when you might go to london and become the intimate friend of davy and buckland and the other great men with whom you correspond he answered that is my secret and female curiosity cannot always be indulged well then tell me something else she said is it true you are going to be married he smiled and shook his head and replied that it was not true he was now forty-six years of age and his day was gone oh doctor she said you mustn't say that have you forgotten that i am forty-three is my day gone too she drew herself up and looked very beautiful then she said you are still young enough why do you not marry are you a woman-hater again he smiled but this time i thought rather sadly and said he was far from being that and do you not find it very lonely living in that great house by yourself yes he said it is very lonely and do you not sometimes feel unhappy yes sometimes i feel very unhappy indeed and you do not think that if you were to marry i cannot he replied is it for the same reason that prevented you from taking that appointment yes he replied in a sharp voice it is the same reason will you not tell me what it is he shook his head ah my dear friend it would be better 
you have something on your mind will you not trust it to me you have saved my life again and again will you not let me prove my gratitude oh disburden your heart i beseech you edward dear leave us alone no sir said he with emphasis do not go away my mother thought that he was angry and laid her hand upon his arm i saw his lips turn pale but he said in a firm voice ellen mordaunt i thank you for your sympathy but i cannot tell you this secret of my life it would make you unhappy and would give me no relief but quite the contrary he then shook hands with us both and saying he was wanted at home walked quickly towards the garden gate my mother looked after him her eyes wide open with astonishment i said there was a skeleton in every house oh she cried edward what do you mean he cannot have done anything wrong that is impossible i did not reply and we walked up and down the gravel walk my mother seemed buried in thought suddenly she gave an exclamation and put her hand to her heart she turned round and went a few steps as if to overtake the doctor who had just reached the gate and paused there to look at us as he passed through are you in pain mother said i let me run after dr chalmers no she cried earnestly do not call him back and seizing my hand she pressed it with convulsive force i remained silent and lost in wonder as she had been a moment before then she said in her own quiet voice it was only a passing spasm and dr chalmers has other patients to attend it is getting rather cold i think we had better go in we went indoors and my mother complaining of a headache retired to her room the next morning i was awoke by the sunbeams streaming through the window it was a fine spring morning the birds in the garden were singing merrily i felt in glorious health the blood seemed to dance in my veins hitherto i had known no serious cares and the troubles of childhood were past a bright calm life was before me and as i reflected on my happy condition my heart was filled with the love of god and with gratitude for his goodness one of the servants came in gave me a letter and hastened from the room the letter was from my father i have it before me now yellow and crumpled and stained written more than thirty years ago yet still i weep as i read it my son i cannot see you to-day it has pleased the lord to chasten us with a heavy and sore affliction last night when i went to bed at a late hour your mother was asleep but seemed to be dreaming she turned from side to side and was whispering something under her breath i stooped down and listened and heard her say the doctor's name then i feared that she was ill still sleeping she flung her arms round my neck and awoke when she saw me she gave a scream and shrank to the farther side of the bed wife i said you have a fever your face is flushed and your hands are burning hot i will send james for the doctor at once i moved towards the bell but she sprang from the bed and exclaimed it is nothing i am quite well indeed i am you must not send for him oh do not send for him i saw that she was delirious and rang the bell in spite of her feeble efforts to prevent me then she gave a great cry the blood rushed from her lips and she fell to the floor when i raised her in my arms she was dead end of letter four recording by expatriate in bangor maine